Take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 6. John chapter 6 this morning. What a great day for us to be in the house of the Lord this morning. He has been so good to us this week, as always. And, um, well, as we get started this morning, I've got a confession to make. In preparing and studying for um, asking the Lord what study to go through several months ago as I was looking at the Gospel of John, I was looking at you know what we should go into, praying about what the Lord would lead us to do, the series of messages, and, and you know that I like to preach through books of the Bible, and I think that's a great way to study God's Word and, and to understand it a little better. And i got to tell you that this passage of Scripture that we're, we'll be dealing with this morning was the passage of Scripture that gave me hesitation about preaching the Gospel of John because it deals with a difficult subject. And honestly, I had not really studied this passage of Scripture very deeply up until this week. And although I still don't understand it perfectly, understand that, I have a better understanding of it than I did before. And I hope to convey to you this morning what it is that the Lord has opened up to me from this passage of Scripture because it's not easy to hear. This morning, the title of the message is Partaking of the Sacrifice. Partaking of the Sacrifice. And, and going back to what we were talking about last week, Jesus is speaking to the people about Himself being the bread of life. The bread of heaven as He describes it. He says he tells them that He has been sent down from heaven by the Father to be the bread for all people. And He says He's not come down to do His own will, that He came down to do God's will in verse 38. The one who had sent Him. And then he says, he is the bread which came down from heaven. But, and then the Jews were complaining about that because he claimed to be the Son of God whom he was. And they didn't understand it. And one of the things that we were talking about last week was, was that Jesus was trying to get them to see past the natural world. He was trying to get them out of the physical realm and getting them to understand more about the spiritual realm. And so we pick up, the, we pick up the, the conversation. Jesus is speaking to them, beginning in verse 48. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats My flesh and drinks My blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For My flesh is true food, or food indeed, and My blood is true drink, or drink 
indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus himself knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascending where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and whom and who would betray him. And he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And one of you is a devil. He spoke, to Judas, he spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. This morning, as we look at this difficult passage of Scripture, I'm asking for the Lord to show us what He meant when He said these things. Let's pray together. God, again, we bow before You because we know You are the Master of the universe. You are all in all. You have all power, all knowledge. You are in all places at all times here right now with us. We ask for your blessing. We, we praise you for your presence. But we ask, Father, for your spirit to teach us today. Help us to understand your words. Help us to know without the shadow of a doubt that you are our God and that there's nothing too hard for you. And when we turn to you with all of our heart, we are yours completely. We love you, Lord. We thank you always in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, so partaking of the sacrifice. Now, the first thing that I want to talk about is that this saying is, is hard to swallow. And I, I did, I, I put it in that way, not to be funny or sarcastic, but this is exactly the mindset that the Jews had at that time. What he is saying, we cannot do. Because Jesus was telling them that He was the bread of life. But they kept looking at everything in a natural sense. And they said, well, God did this way back when, when they were coming out of Egypt. He fed them with manna from heaven every day. 
And Jesus says, yes, they ate that food, but then they, they died. And he says this, I am the true bread that gives life. Not death, life. Everlasting life. So what he was doing in the first part of that conversation, he was uh, proclaiming God's provision. He made a proclamation of provision. He says, your fathers ate the manna in the, de- de- in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. Now, of course, we know that we physically die. Uh, this body is not going to last forever. We know that full well. We've seen that this week. You know, there's been death in our church family. This physical body will cease to exist this way sometime. It'll wear out, and, or, or it will cease to support life. But that doesn't mean we die. What it means is this body goes away. And what happens, you know this, our spirit, our soul remains alive. And as Jesus was telling a story, He was relating a real, true account when He gave the account of Lazarus and the rich man. He said the rich man died, and because he didn't know the Lord, his eyes woke, when he woke up, his eyes were opened and he was in torment. But when Lazarus opened his eyes after dying, immediately after dying, he was being ushered into the presence of Abraham by angels. So the body will cease to live, but ourselves, our true selves, continues to live. It won't be in this particular plane, this physical area that we live in now. But, you see, what happens is we go to a far different plane, a far different existence. It is in the presence of the Lord. And Jesus was telling them that this is what's going to happen. He says, I am willing, I am here to make sure that you have the opportunity to live forever, that you get life. So He was proclaiming to them that He was the one that came to give them everlasting life. In Matthew chapter 11, Verse 28, Jesus says, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now he says in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. He's proclaiming why He came, the mission that He had been sent on. And in John chapter 10, verse 11, He says, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down His life for the sheep. Jesus is trying to get them to understand it's not about the food because that's all that they could remember at this time. Remember, this this conversation is coming out of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And He he told them whenever they came to Him, you came here because you, you want another meal. You want another lunch. You want to see another miracle because you're tied down to the physical and you can't see into the spiritual realm. He said, this is where you need to be. Forget about those things and turn to, look to the spiritual things. He says, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. And then he starts talking about them consuming him. Now this is the part that gave me trouble. 
This is the part where I bogged down and, and I, I was in the physical realm as well and I couldn't understand what, why it would be that Jesus was saying, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood in order to have part with me. But as I was studying this, it reminded me what, what Jesus was talking about. When did Jesus offer Himself up as a sacrifice? It was on the Passover. The, the Feast of Passover. That's what they were celebrating. And you go back to the Old Testament whenever the, the Passover was being established, whenever the Lord was giving them the ordinances of the Passover, He was telling them in, in a Exodus chapter 12, He's telling them what they must do. He says, you select a perfect lamb with no blemish, nothing wrong with it, a perfect lamb. And then you must sacrifice it. And he says, not only are you going to sacrifice it, you're going to take the blood and you're going to put it on your doorpost so that when the Lord passed over that night, that the firstborn would not have to die. And then he says, you take the lamb and you roast it. And you eat it. The whole family gathers together. And if you've got more than enough, then you invite another family. If your family's not big enough to eat it, and the, you, there's another family close by, you invite them to come and celebrate with you and eat the lamb. And he says, you're supposed to eat it all by morning. And if you don't eat it all by morning, you've got to burn, it, burn the rest of it up. Totally consumed. Totally gone. Taking the sacrificial lamb, the Passover lamb, the blood on the doorpost, was a sign that they came under the blood. And that God would not slay the firstborn in the house. But then they were supposed to totally consume the lamb. And now, thinking about our Lord's Supper. Jesus said when we partake of the bread, it signifies His body. And when we partake of the, the juice or the wine, then that represents His blood. You see, Jesus wasn't talking literally about consuming His flesh and drinking His blood. He was talking about the spiritual realm. He was telling them, I am the sacrifice that's going to give you life and you must consume that sacrifice. You must accept His work. You must understand and follow that He is the one true God, just like Peter's going to say in a few minutes, that He is the Messiah and that there is no other way but Him. Without you accepting that completely, then you have no part in Him and you don't have life. Jesus is saying, you've got to accept all of Me, not just part. Because everybody wants the Savior. Everybody wants to be saved, but they don't want the Lord. They don't want the Master. They want to be controlling their own life. And, and they're saying, yes, I, I need to be saved from hell, but you know, I don't really want to submit to you my whole life or, or everything about me. You know what? You save me, and then I'll go about my business, and I'll call you if I need you. But see, it doesn't work like that. Jesus says, you've got to consume all of me. You've got to accept me as I am or not at all. You've got to accept me as Savior and Lord or go away empty like the rich young man. Go away sorrowful. Jesus 
was reminding them that he was going to be the sacrifice. Actually prophesying that he was going to be the sacrifice and it was going to be on Passover, which brings to mind what happened to the Passover sacrifice, the Passover lamb. And he was trying to get them to move from the physical realm. And instead of being bogged down on what am I going to eat today? Or is he going to perform the miracle again of the loaves and fishes? He says, look, the most important thing for you to do is take care of your spiritual self first and then maintain the physical. But without the spiritual health, the spiritual being taken care of, the physical realm is not going to do you any good at all because it is fading away. It's passing away. So, Jesus looked at them and saying, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. He's saying, whoever accepts the sacrifice that I'm about to make, because he said it, I give my, when he was instituting the, the Lord's Supper, he says, my body is, will be broken for you. My body will be given for you as the sacrifice. And then he says, my blood is the blood of the covenant. And in thinking about this passage of Scripture, when he says, you must consume me, you must eat my flesh, drink my blood, what he is saying is, you have got to follow him completely. Believe in him completely. No halfway. No partiality in it. No, no, no part way. It's the whole hog or not one ounce of pig. He says it's all or nothing. Now, he knew what was going on here. He knew that they were bogged down and, and that they couldn't get past what he was saying. They couldn't see the spiritual side of it. They were caught up in the fleshly things. So he said, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me. Now he's proclaiming that God Almighty sent him and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna. He says that's in our dead. That, that's the physical part. He who eats this bread will live forever. That's the spiritual part. And then they said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Who can understand it? Because so many people were coming to Jesus, and because so many people did not, there were what we would consider false conversions. You see, they were following Jesus, but they didn't believe in Him. They, they were following, there was a lot of people following Jesus, but a lot of them had different motives. You see, there were some people who were following Jesus so that they could receive the benefits or the acclaim, the recognition of following Jesus. And you might say, well, there's, there's very little recognition at that time for following Jesus. Oh, yeah, there was. Yeah, there was. You see, there was a large crowd that followed Jesus almost everywhere that He went. And it was, it was becoming more and more popular to follow Him, even though the religious leaders hated Him. So Jesus 
was sifting out the crowd. He was actually threshing the wheat. And you know the, the threshing process of wheat. Whenever they harvest their wheat, they would cut it down. They would take the kernels and they would put them together. And then they would rub them together to get the, the grains of wheat out of the kernels. And they would have this great big bowl, a pan. And as they would rub it like that, they'd toss it up in the air so that the husks that would come off of the, the grains and blow away, and the good stuff would land back in the pan. So Jesus, when he was talking about these things, one of the, 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 one of the things that happened while he was doing this was he was separating the true believers from the non-believers. Listen to what he says, beginning in verse 61. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? Does this offend you? You know, in Romans chapter 9, verse 33, it says that there's been a stumbling block of offense. Meaning that there's a whole lot of people that couldn't get over what Jesus was saying. They couldn't get over what he was doing because their mindset was already kind of settled and, and uh, solidified that the Messiah was supposed to come to be their warrior savior. But that's not why he came. He came to save them spiritually first. And they wouldn't accept it. And as Jesus proclaimed who he was, they said, look, you're not matching up with my idea of what's supposed to happen, so I'm not following you. And they thought they were doing God a favor by killing his son. So Jesus was, as he was talking about these things, he knew it was going to be hard for those to believe in him that were there. But the scripture says right here, he says, what then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? Going down to verse 64, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. See, Jesus understood, hey, there's a lot of people here that are just here because there's a crowd. There's a lot of people here that are just here because they might get a meal out of it. There's a lot of people here because, you know, everybody's coming this way and everybody wants to be a part of the group, so they all come to, to hear the preaching and teaching. But not everybody believed that He was the Messiah. So in a sense, He's sifting out the wheat. He's trying to, to find out. He's putting, he's putting down, uh, the, or laying down the gauntlet. He's drawing the line in the sand and says, okay. If you believe in me, come to this side. But all of those who don't believe are going to be shaken out and blown away by the wind. Now, Jesus goes on. He says, this is what he says here. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. See, that's the key to the passage right there. Jesus is talking, he said, look, this is, I'm not talking about the physical realm. I'm talking about the spiritual realm. The sacrifice that I am going to make is going to be a physical sacrifice with all sorts of spiritual implications. It's going to take care of the spiritual needs of the world if they would accept it. But, 
there are some of you who do not believe. He says there's, there's some people who's not going to believe. Even though the evidence was standing right there, even though the Son of God, had, who had done miracles in their presence, who had talked to them, who had spoken to them, the truths of Almighty God, and they could see Him, even though He was there, they would not believe. Did you know that today, there's a lot of people all over this country sitting in worship services just like this, that are there for whatever other reason, but they really don't believe. They might be there because mom and dad bring them or want them there, or it's the right thing to do, or wife or husband wants them there, or, or they just want to be a part of a group, or for whatever reason. But, truth be known, they don't really believe. Because Jesus knows our hearts he knows who is true, who is real, who has accepted Him truly. And this is what He said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to Me unless it has been granted to Him by My Father. Jesus said this, There's some that's not going to believe. And those that have believed, have believed because God drew them to the truth, revealed the truth to them, and they accepted that truth wholly, completely, without reservation. But there's some who say, yeah, I believe, but then listen to what Peter said as he goes a little further. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. There was a lot of people who turned back. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You see, he said this, Yes, we believed for a time. You know, it was faith for us for a time. But now, Peter says, now the evidence is conclusive. There's no other logical answer. There's no other logical... There's nothing else that needs to be proven. We know without the shadow of a doubt that you are the Son of God. And at that point, he's like, faith, belief, really don't have a whole lot to do with it now because we know. We've seen it. We've experienced it. It's happened to us. So I know. Now, let me ask you about this. Peter says, to whom else shall we go? He says, there's nobody else that can meet our needs. There's nobody else that's going to do what you have done. There's nobody else that came from heaven in order to bring us with Him back to heaven. So Peter says, who else is help? Who else can save us? 
Who else has our best interest at heart? Not only did, did we believe, but now we know. There's no more doubt. There's no more guessing. The evidence is in, and it's conclusive. You're the Messiah. So let me ask you this morning this question. When the threshing of the wheat comes about, when the road gets tough, when times get hard, when the rubber meets the road, are you going to blow away like chaff? Or are you going to be true believers that know that Jesus is the Son of God? You see, because if you hadn't experienced Him, if He hadn't changed your heart, you don't know. You might believe everything that's being said. And you say, yes, I understand that. I believe that. But has it made a difference in your life? Have you applied that sacrifice to yourself? It's one thing to know about Jesus. It's something completely different to know Jesus. You see, the truth of the matter is, there's a whole lot of people who believe but a whole lot of people don't act on that belief. Do you know? Are you willing to stand up and profess Jesus is King? Because, let me tell you, there's nobody else before whom we will go. We won't have to answer to anybody else but Jesus. And He has already answered for us. So when we stand before God Almighty, we stand under the blood, having consumed the sacrifice and having been born into the kingdom of God. Now, the last things that Jesus spoke of in this chapter, as Peter spoke to him, you are the Son of the living God, and Jesus asked him, did I not choose you, the twelve? He said, yep. He said, I knew that you were the ones who would believe and know that I am the Christ. He chose them for a purpose. He chose them for a reason. Peter was impetuous and he was uh, boastful, not boastful, but he was the first one to talk. He was the first, you know, his, his mouth kind of got ahead of him sometimes. He would say things a lot. Be the first one to, to speak but he was also the first one to proclaim that Jesus is Lord. You see, Jesus was looking at him and he says, you, the twelve, I've chosen you for a purpose, a reason. I knew where you would be right now. But then he also turned and says, and I also know that there's one of you that's a devil that will betray me. Jesus is talking about His omniscience. He knows it all. He knows everything. The great thing about that is that He knows whether I'm true and real or not. He knows whether I'm standing up here making a show out of things or whether I really believe what I'm saying. And He knows exactly where you are, whether you are in the believing stage, non-believing stage, or you are in the knowing stage. 
And what he's asking, he says, I know where you are. Now, what are you going to do about it? Now, what are you going to do? Have you completely consumed the sacrifice, the Passover lamb, so that whenever you stand before Almighty God, Jesus will have paid the price for you? It's easy to say, yeah, I believe. But you see, your beliefs are played out in your actions. So you can say, I believe, but then the record of your actions, the record of your life will tell the true story. Jesus was prophesying betrayal against his, one of his twelve because he knew him. Today, there's nothing hidden from the Lord. He knows exactly where you are, exactly what's going on, all the troubles and trials that you've been through, all the good times and all the bad. He knows exactly what you need. And the great thing is, is he says, I am here to provide exactly what you need to give you life to give you eternal life. So my only question tonight, or today is, have you partaken of the sacrifice? Do you know that He's the King? Have you given Him His rightful place in your life? Let's go to the Lord in prayer, please. Lord Jesus, as we bow before You, we seek to understand Your Word, and we praise You and thank You for Your sacrifice for us. And Lord, I'm asking this morning for You to make Yourself known to us right here, right now. And as we get ready for this invitation time, Father, You know what You want to do. You know what you have planned from the very foundation of the world. We ask for your will to be done. Help us to respond to you in the way that you lead us with complete obedience, knowing that you are Almighty God. In your name I pray. Amen.